Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Just in keeping with the quietness of communion, close your eyes for a moment. Listen to the words as I read out Psalm 103. And listen as the Lord speaks to you. O my soul, come, praise the Eternal, the one true God. With all that is in me, my body, all my emotions, my mind and my will, every part of who I am, praise His holy name. O my soul, come, praise the Eternal, the one true God. Sing a song from a grateful heart. Sing and never forget all the good he has done. Despite all my many offenses, he forgives and releases me. More than a doctor, he heals my diseases. He reaches deep into the pit to deliver me from death. He crowns me with unfailing love and has compassion Compassion like a king. When my soul is famished and withering, he fills me with good and beautiful things, satisfying me as long as I live. He makes me strong like an eagle, restoring my youth. When people are crushed, wronged, enslaved, raped, murdered, the eternal God Almighty is just. He makes the wrongs right. He showed Moses his ways. He allowed his people Israel to see his wonders and acts of power. He is compassionate and merciful. When we cross all the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him, he lovingly stays with us. Changing, challenging, convicting, prodding. He will not constantly criticize nor will he hold a grudge forever. Thankfully, God does not punish us for our sins and depravity as we deserve. In his mercy, he tempers tempers justice with peace. Measure how high heaven, heaven is above the earth. God's wide, loving, kind heart is greater for those who love him. You see, God takes all our crimes our unseemingly inexhaustible sins. He removes them all. As far as the east is from the west, he removes them from us. An earthly father expresses love for his children. It's no different with our heavenly father. The eternal shows his love for those who rever him. For he knows what we are made of. He knows our frame is frail and he remembers we came from dust. The children of Adam are like grass, their days are few. They flourish for a time like flowers in a meadow, and as the wind blows over the field and bloom is gone, it doesn't take much to blow us out. It doesn't take much to blow us out of the memory of that place. But the unfailing love of the eternal is always and eternal. He extends his justice on and on to future generations to those who will keep his bond of love and remember to walk in the guidance of his commands. 
Our Lord has established his throne up in the heavens. He rules over every seen and unseen realm and creature. Adore him. Give him praise. Give him praise. You heavenly messengers, you powerful creatures who listen to and act on, every, on his every word, give him praise. Give praise to the eternal, the Lord God Almighty, you servants who stand ready to do his will. Give praise to the eternal, all that he has made in all corners of his creation. O my soul, come, praise the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Give yourselves a bit of a stretch. If you want to stand, stretch a bit. You want to do a dance move? You can do a dance move as well. Some of you boomers know any rock and roll moves? Go for it. We can show them some salsa moves too. Okay. We're all stretched. All ready? A few years ago in a university, there was a philosophy class. I'm not sure if it was philosophy 101, but the debate was over the existence of God. And it got pretty heated, as it would. Um, And it was obvious that the professor uh, was a believer in God. And one student, to explain his point, just stood up and basically said to everybody, I don't believe in God. And, you know, the professor was taken a bit aback. You could tell he was... He goes, what God don't you believe in? Well, I don't believe in that unloving vindictive, angry God in the Bible. And the professor wisely responds, says, I don't believe in that God either. I believe in a God of love. But it was strange to be in that class because here we got one person who says he's God who's angry, vindictive, unloving from the Bible. And here's another person who says, no, I don't believe in that God. I believe in a loving God who's not vindictive, who's slow to anger, but they're talking from the same God of the same Bible. And a lot of people walked out of that class scratching their heads thinking, what God to believe in? And it's not an easy thing. Understanding who God is. Who can understand who God is? It's interesting because in Job, of all people, His comments were this. He says, can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? Man, that just makes me scratch my head more. Loving God, unloving God, how can I even understand you? In Isaiah, have you never heard, have you never understood? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. It just gets more confusing. And then you read in Romans, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and his ways. And I was even more confused. Who's right? How can I understand God? The student says he's unloving. The professor says he's loving. How do I deal with this? If we could just have the volume up a bit 
I've got a video coming up. And just listen to this for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, the last act of the final, it's Jonathan and Charlotte! Let's get the volume right up there. I had a great voice. Okay. For those of you who may not like opera, yeah, I can't sing like that. Now, who thinks they can describe things really well? They're worried they're going to ask, what are they going to ask of me, right? You guys are like, what's Rob going to say? Okay. Imagine I'm a deaf person. Never heard a thing in my life. I've been born deaf. Now explain to me what you've just heard. Well, I've got Judy up front here. How do you explain a voice that can't be heard? Take a look at this. Tell me that's not beautiful. Explain to a blind person who's never seen anything. Can you explain that to them? Or how about this? How do you explain the color red to someone who doesn't know colors? Can you do it? So how can I explain who God is? It's a difficult thing when we're faced with something so immense, so incredible, And we as humans demand to know all about it. It's difficult when you're put 
with you know a Bible in your hand and you look at it and you think this is all about God. But really all it does is scratch the surface. And a lot of it, to be perfectly honest with you, it's hard to fathom and understand. It's like trying to tell a blind person the colour red. You can explain how beautiful it is. They might get a glimpse of hearing the excitement in your voice. Like a deaf person who might watch the reaction to the people around them and understand that was good. Might feel the vibrations of it. It's the same in our understanding of God. But you see, God in his brilliance gives us these little nuggets. These little things. Just to tell us a little bit about him. And that's enough for us to grab hold of. You with me? Because Psalm 103 does exactly that. Psalm 103 captures a moment for us to understand one simple thing. And that is, you are loved. You might think God is vindictive, angry. You might read things in that Old Testament in particular, but also some aspects of the New Testament where you look at it and you think, wow, is that God? And you think, I don't understand that. Fair enough, neither do I. But let me take you here and let me just tell you, whether you understand or not, God loves you immensely and let me show it to you go to psalm 103 everyone got a bible i know it's up there but if you've got a bible you score more brownie points come on good on you see my daughter's got one good pastor's kid right there look at that oh they got them on the phone too so don't worry i know if you've got a phone in front of you i know you're not texting Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. Now, for those of you who have been in church for a while and know that wonderful hymn, Bless the Lord, O my my soul, Uh, it comes straight from the King James Version, and I'm going to alienate some people here, but it's a bad version, okay? Bless the Lord doesn't make sense in English, okay? It's praise the Lord, praise the Lord, okay? You don't find that in translations anymore. It sounds great. Um, But for most of us today, there's a difference between blessing and praising. Um, So let all I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Some of you here are still thinking, did he just say that about the King James Version? Get past it. Move on. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Now, I just want you all to take a look at those words and spend just a few minutes, read them over yourself, and just reflect on them. I'll give you a few minutes to do that. Does any of it ring true for you? What doesn't ring true for you? Has he healed all your diseases? 
I've got allergies that are driving me absolutely crazy. And I pray every year, Lord, get rid of these allergies. I can't sleep at night. Nothing. There's one up there that drives me a little bit crazy. Renews my youth, in my youth. I went to the gym on Friday night and we had our weigh-in. And we really didn't lose as much weight as we thought we would have. And our personal trainer was not happy with us. It's taken me two days to walk again. My youth had left me. Lord, where is my youth? Renew me. There are some things there that you can read and you think, justice, righteousness? I don't know. There are some of us who are dealing with a great injustice in our lives. Where is God? I thought I'd I'd rephrase this verse. I thought, how would I write this out myself? So I've, I've given you a new version that's called the RP version, the Rob Petrini version. And I thought I'd read it out to you this way, just to give you an idea how I would interpret or how I would read it. It says this, with everything I am, I trust and love you. With my whole heart, I hold you dear to me. With everything I am, I trust and love you. I will never forget all the good things you did for me. I screwed up so many times and yet you forgave me. You put me up, you put up with, my, with me regardless. When I was sick, you gave me medicine, looked after me. You protected me from harm, doing what you could to keep me safe. You covered me in your love and bought me all good things. I was your child and I thrived. You made sure everything was tr- everyone was treated fairly. You were never unjust. Now, parents... And those of you who want to be parents, would you not want that for your kid? Read that out. Would you not want your kid to think of that of you? Now, I know some of us have grown up in not so good parent homes, but you, as a parent or want to be parent, you'd want this for your kid, wouldn't you? You'd want your kids to be able to say that about you. Would you not? Let me give you another version. It's the TTV, today's teenage version. (laughs) Mum and Dad don't love me. I get punished every time I do something wrong. I feel like a screw-up to them. I had to go to school every time I felt sick. They never let me go out and they chased my boyfriend away. I always wanted an iPhone, but they never bought it for me. They were always so unfair. You know, that sounds like us in our relationship with God. Doesn't it? We've gone from this to really what a lot of us feel towards God is this. God, you don't love me. You punish me every time I do something wrong. I feel like a screw-up. I have to get through with this life Regardless if I'm feeling good or feeling sick, you never let me go out. You never let me do what I want. I feel like I have to follow your rules. I can't marry the boy I want or the girl I want. And gee, I'd really love that iPhone, that car, that house, that BMW, whatever it might be. And you don't buy it for me. You're so unfair, God. Do you see the changes in that? Now... Kids, I've been a youth pastor for over 10 years and you know what? There are some kids who would say that about their parents and you see their parents and they're lovely people. 
You go to their homes and these kids have great stuff. You look in their rooms and you think, whoa, that's a cool room, it's a cool house. But they feel that way about their parents. They're so unfair. And it's true sometimes, isn't it? Some kids are like, no, not me. They're sitting next to their parents though, that's why. (laughs) Wait till you get them out on their own. (laughs) They feel that way. But as they get older, guess what? They begin to understand. I vowed I would never be like my father. I even look like him. (laughs) All those years of brushing my hair, look what it led to. You know, as they grow up, and especially when they start having their kids, oh, now I understand you, mum and dad. Oh, can you take my kids? No, we're going to Europe on our own. (laughs) We'll be on a Caribbean cruise for the next 12 months. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) You know, they understand. And it's the same for us in our relationship with God. You know, this part, we read it, and sometimes for some of us here, even this morning, that might seem just a bit alien to us. What, is, what does that mean? And sometimes it's hard to grasp and understand. You know, one of the most difficult things for human beings is to acknowledge that they are loved. Why? Why is that so difficult? Why is it so difficult? Because we're harder usually on ourselves. And sometimes it's hard to understand. We feel like this most of the time. So as much as we want to make fun of teenagers, well, actually, we as adults are no different to teenagers to God. And so from God's perspective, the student who says he's an unloving God, he doesn't care about me, he doesn't, he's vindictive, look what it, I mean, read the Bible. They've missed, and they're trying to understand something that might be just a bit above them. And God's saying, look, you need to trust me. Just like when parents, I talk to my good daughters, trust me. Yeah, right. You know, they don't even trust me choosing a husband for them. Oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. But we feel that way towards God as well. And so it's easier for us to sit in the camp of the student and say he's vindictive, he's this, he's that. And we lose perspective that actually he is a God of love. He is a God that loves us. If you read Psalm 103 and do this when you go home, read the whole thing. Watch out for what version you read though. Because I don't know what it is about Bible scholars, but they don't like me in the Bible. Not as in me as in Rob, because I'm not in the Bible, but me as in the word me. They don't like personal pronouns for some reason. They've got to kind of generalise it. But in the Hebrew, personal pronouns are there all the time. And this psalm is full of personal pronouns. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. It's about you. He loves you. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Lots of love there, eh? The Lord is like a father to his children. Now that may not be a positive image for a lot of us today. 
But think about yourselves, how you would be towards your children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And verse 17, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. There's one word that seems to crop up in those last verses there. What's that word? Fear. Fear. Hang on a second. He loves me. What's up with this fear thing? Here we come with a vindictive, you know, unloving God who's going to get me in it's so funny, the English language. Who, who knows another language here? Who's well-versed in another language? Is anyone here apart from my family? Okay, you know the richness of another language. It's incredible. With Italians, you can use a word and it could mean so much more than just that word. Now, just, just imagine this. Hypothetically, okay? Not theologically, hypothetically, and a Martian comes on this earth, Right? And you want to meet him. So what do you tell him? Let's go have coffee together. So the Martian who has no understanding of human culture thinks he's going to go have coffee. But what do we do when we go have coffee? We talk. We share our lives. Do some of us even drink coffee when we go out for coffee? I don't. I have my Coke. I have my, my Coke Zero sitting right there. Or if it's at uh, Coffee Culture, it's my banana smoothie. That, that I like. Anyway, um, so the, the poor Martian's going to be a little bit confused because he's thinking we're going to have coffee. But no, we're actually going to go talk life together. We're going to share how, people, how you're going. And, and we might have a coffee within that. But you see, there's so much more to just having coffee. It's the same with the word fear. In the Hebrew, word fear is actually so much bigger. We can only translate it as fear, and it's so bad because it doesn't, it, it's a negative connotation for us in English. But in the Hebrew, it's so much more. So much more. It means, um, it means reverence. It means understanding. It means acknowledging that he knows more than me. It's like the referee on the playing field. Oh, we don't really respect him though, do we? But he knows more. He's the boss. He's, he's got everything going. And God's saying, hey, you need to respect that. Because love, by the way, isn't the way you all define it. Love isn't, <laughs> I love you. Yeah. You know, it's not this just ethereal feeling thing. Love knows what's right. Love knows what's wrong. Love gives and knows when to take. Love shares. Love is defined by who God is. And part of that love is respect. Ephesians chapter 5. What does it tell wives to do to husbands? (laughs) She changed the word. She said uphold them. What's the other word that we all don't like to use? I want to hear it from the women. Submit. I won't argue with her. (laughs) But I'm going to stick with submit because I like it. (laughs) What does it tell husbands to do to wives? How did Christ love the church? He gave his life. Is that all he did? Quantify that for me. If I throw myself in the car in front of a car, does that mean I've given my wife and I, uh, given my life to my wife, and that means I love her? It was more than that, wasn't it? It wasn't just the giving of life. What more did he do? He gave us life. He lived. He lived for his people. Oh, we got jokes over there. You know these guys. You can't control them. 
But listen, we think of, again, the end result. Jesus gave his life. Yes, he did. But he lived his life for us. You with me? Don't, don't just go to the end result. Just because I gave my life for my wife doesn't mean I actually loved her during life. The whole encompassing of my life is called to love my wife. That's not an easy thing to do, guys. It's not an easy thing to do. Fear isn't a, a, a fear factor thing. I just used fear twice, but it's not a scary thing. It's a respectful thing. It's understanding who God is, that he does know better for us. And like our parents, sometimes we need to just step back and say, you know what, they may know more than me. And then we come into the submission part. It's not an easy thing to deal with. It's not an anything goes thing. But if you read Psalm 103... It screams out, God loves you, loves me. 1 John 4.16, we know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Um, I, I read this great quote, I've got to say it. To say that God is love is not to imply that love is God. There is a difference, like a difference in me saying my dog is a girl and my girl is a dog. God is love. He is love. And He loves you. He loves you fully and completely. You know, I was saying before, theologians don't like the me word. It's like um, worship. One way, as long as I've led the youth, I've also led worship. And the biggest thing that people would complain to me about was this. They would say, oh, these new worship songs, it's all about me, me, me. Everyone heard that before? Yeah, it's all about me. Uh, guess what? It is all about you. You know that, right? Can I, can, I, can I affirm that right now? It is all about you. It's all about me. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son for who? For me, it is all about me. Me, 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 it's a good thing. It is about me. We're to make disciples. It's all about them. We're to grow in Christ. It's all about you. We need to raise. You read Psalm 103, it's all about me. But it's not just about me. It's about how much God loves me. You are loved. Karl Barth, a famous German theologian, he was in the United States and he was at a theological college in New York and they asked him, what is the greatest theological point that kind of moved your world in the Bible? Great theologian, this guy. And he says this, he says, this is the greatest thing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You can't get past that point. You can't get past it. He says, that is the greatest thing this Bible teaches us, that Jesus loves me. 
You know what? We can argue till the end of the days all about the end of times. And you guys know I love those discussions. We can have all sorts of theological discussions. We can argue how to dress in church. We can argue about what we listen up front. We can look at our hairstyles. We can talk about anything you want. But at the end of the day, the one thing that changes every person, you, me, them, whoever, is that Jesus loves me. Full stop. That is the crux of it. We could argue whether he's good, he's bad. We could talk about implications of war and whether we should be fighting battles or not. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus loves me. And that's what this psalm does. In the midst of these battles that we read in the Old Testament, in the midst of all these challenges and changes that we're confronted with and so many questions that we're thrown at, Psalm 103 sticks out like a sore thumb. He says, you might not understand what's going on around you. You might be questioning why. You might be looking at this or you might be looking at that. But let me just tell you, you are loved. I love you. I love you. John Mansour, who was a, um, an Air Force colonel, tells this story in one of his books. He was in Vietnam and a, uh, a stray mortar shell hit an orphanage. And fortunately, most of the kids were okay, but there was one girl in particular that was hurt very badly, and there was an American doctor and an American nurse that were tending to her, and she had lost a lot of blood. And so they tested for themselves to see if they had the same blood type so they could do a transfusion, but they they weren't the same blood type. So they turned to the orphans. There was a group of orphans there with them. These little kids are about nine or ten years old, and they, they didn't know Vietnamese very well. They knew a bit of French, but between them, they thought they could try and explain. And they asked the kids, who's willing to give blood to help save this girl? And these kids were just wide-eyed. No one put their hand up until one little boy just kind of tentatively put his hand up. And they said, oh, thank you. What's your name? And his name was Hem. Hem. And so they laid him out, put alcohol swab and stuck the needle in to, to draw the blood. And as they're doing this, this kid starts to sob. But he, it seems like he's obviously embarrassed about crying, so he's putting his hand over his face. And then he starts to bite his knuckle because he doesn't want to cry. And they're thinking, is he sore? Is he hurting? They can't figure out what's wrong with the kid until a Vietnamese nurse comes in and she starts talking to the kid. And then quietly she turns to, to them and she said, I think he misunderstood you. I think he, under, he understood that he was to give all his blood and that he was going to die. And the nurse says, why would he even volunteer for something like that? And she turns to him and asks the little kid and the kid responds, she's my friend. She's my friend. God responds, why would you even love me, Lord? Why would you love me? Because you're my son, you're my daughter. You may not understand all the things that are going on around you. You may be caught up in all sorts of misunderstandings in life. But let me just say this. I love you. I love you. This is my little daughter. You're not little anymore. This is Alex when she was two years old. 
she had a knack of when she saw birds, she'd go running after them with a joy that was incredible. I mean, you can almost see her feet are just barely touching the ground, a little two-year-old running after these birds. We'd have to run after her because she wouldn't listen to us calling out to her. If she saw birds in the field, she went straight up with a joy on her face. And you know, as, my, as her father, this is my favorite photo. Guys, I'm not going to bring you to church again. I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a joy. See, she only understands the good things that are around her. At that age, that's all she understood. She didn't understand that dad and mum were having financial troubles. At that point, we were trying to sort out our lives or just started in ministry. It was difficult. She doesn't understand that. She just accepted blindly that we loved her and that we cared for her. God's asking the same from you. Just, just accept the fact that I love you. Just accept the fact that I treasure you. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He loves us. Tell me, why do you have trouble with that? Tell me, why can't you grasp that? Don't worry about what else is written in the Bible. Don't go thinking about all the ethical issues. I mean, we can certainly talk about them. We can... Grab the basic. If you start with the premise that God loves you dearly, it's like telling your kids, look, I love you. They may not understand the decisions you make for them, but without a doubt, you love them. God's saying, you may not understand why I do certain things, but just understand, I love you. And if there's one thing you get out of Psalm 103 this morning, you are loved, and you are loved dearly. So your homework this week, go home, read Psalm 103 again, read it to yourself, use multiple versions if you wish, if you want to get deeper, there are many tools online that you can look through and keep those verses in your mind. You know, when you love something so dearly, you can't do anything else but love it back. And the reason why I don't like the word bless my soul, uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, it doesn't capture the essence of praise, that you can do nothing in life but to sit and praise the Lord God Almighty. Uh, I'm going to put Janice on the spot here, but last week we were at, we were at <laughs> Rickerton Baps, and I was at the back waiting for everyone to kind of come in, and they started the worship music and all, and immediately, you know, because I tend to be analytical, and I'm thinking, oh, that music's too loud. Oh, they should be doing this. Oh, mm, what's up there? You know, I'm not actually engaging. I saw Janice with her arms raised and worshipping the Lord. And the first thing that came to my mind was, my God, you deserve so much more than me sitting here being analytical about what's going on. Praise the Lord. He loves me. Praise the Lord. He loves you. And for all our infinite questions, just praise the Lord. He loves me. Amen.